This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonization and genocide are ongoing processes that continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded, this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, hey, welcome back to Ozpol Snackpod, the podcast that sometimes is delicious, but sometimes we just kind of fudge it. That's right. Welcome back to Ozpol Snackpod, the weekly lefty Australian news, politics, and memes podcast uh, featuring me. My name is Noon, and as always, is my co host. Hey, what up? It's Zach the Snack. Hey, go, Noon. Uh, bad. Yeah. But looking forward <laughs> to this extremely depressing show that we've got coming up. No, uh, it's only like a third extremely depressing. It, so. well, one, a third to a quarter. It hasn't been a fun news week. Yes. And yeah. I love I love feeling like vaguely guilty about talking about current events and then but they're just really sad. And you're like, this yeah. is supposed to be <laughs> at least partially a fun show. Yeah. But also, you know. We didn't do the news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, apparently some people like sad news, such as our patron supporters. Thank you all so much for giving us your cash dollars. Um, it means a lot. It helps us pay for hosting the show and also to pay transcribers. So if you can't listen or don't want to listen to the show, you can head over to our website, ospolsnackpod.com, and get transcripts of the show and uh, read instead of listening to us. But yeah, I wanted to shout out Emma and David. Thank you both so much for signing up to our patron this week. That's very lovely. And uh, we'll catch you in the Discord. Thanks very much for signing up. Uh, Noon, should we get into a bit of news? I guess we have to. Fashy Australia. Oh, that's a reassuring first segment. That's how you know <laughs> the show's getting off to a good start. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, where, where we would normally put the aperitifs section, instead, I've got a couple of quite uh, fashy stories for you. So, Great. talking about a couple of terrible bills being passed through various parliaments. Starting off with a new segment that I'm calling This Week in Catchy Bill Names. <laughs> Social Security Legislation Amendment Streamlined Participation Requirements and Other Measures Bill 2022. That's a fucking in banger. Introduced by the federal liberals. Uh, it was formerly known as the Social Security Legislation Amendment Streamlined Participation Requirements and Other Measures Bill 2021, but the uh -huh. liberals failed to pass it uh -huh. so now <laughs> last year. Yes, uh, because they suck uh, at everything, including even passing their own <laughs> shitty legislation. Mm -hmm. but yes, cut to about a year after it was actually first introduced and the bill has now been passed with Labour's support. Oh, cool. Ding. That's going to take a drink, everybody. Um, <laughs> so the changes to, like, welfare and Centrelink stuff that this bill is going to introduce are, like, fairly complicated. But the, like, big headline one is that job seekers are going to have to complete a job plan before they get their first payment, which is a change from the current setup where you get back paid to when you first apply for a mm -hmm. payment, and then you do a job Fuck. plan afterwards. That's a yeah. real lifesaver, that back pay. Yes, um, yes. And what's the opposite of a lifesaver? Uh, um, because that's what that's this new what... bill is. Um, yeah, so the gov like according to the government's own calculations, this means about 144,000 people will lose, on average, $400 in payments next year. And that there's going to be about 10 days on average where people have no money at all while they submit their job plan. 
Well, good. Um, so, That'll yeah, learn you know. for being poor. Yeah. Um, you know how when the government withholds your money, it makes you, like, more likely to do the stuff that they want you to do? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it makes you have a job. Yes, exactly. Um, so, cool, cool policy from the government here, um, supported by Labour. Uh, here's a quote from The Guardian. The bill is expected to save $191.6 million over four years by it's reducing job nothing. seekers' first payments. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, because, you know, the government kind of, like, they did, they very briefly did that, like, best thing in welfare history for a while where they doubled job seeker and made it a livable payment and massively increased the quality of life for, like, uh -huh. hundreds and thousands of people. Well, that was uh, just a temporary targeted measure during the pandemic, which, as we know, is completely finished and no one's feeling any of the effects of, and also there are no other problems in society other than the coronavirus, so I don't exactly. see why you're complaining, Zach. And now the government has to apologize for it by making life harder for job seekers. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, that, keep that saving, quote-unquote saving, in mind for when we talk about the budget later. Okay, cool. Oh, you yeah. know, it's going to be a cool episode when we talk about the budget. One, here's the, the other half of Fashy Australia this cool. year. The New South Wales Liberal government has just passed laws heavily restricting protest, basically in a direct response to the Blockade Australia protest from last week, which we discussed briefly. So, you know, it's superly carefully crafted legislation when it's being introduced like a week after something the government doesn't like happen. Uh, this, by the way, is different from the increased penalties for like blocking a bridge that you talked about last week, Noon. Uh -huh. Those didn't need new legislation because, and here's the Guardian again, the government was able to expand an existing regulation covering the Harbour Bridge. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, which, nice. So these new laws impose jail time of two years for protesters who block major roads, ports, or train stations, plus like, big multi th multiple thousand dollar fines, but the ramifications could be much broader even than that. Here is a quote from Abigail Boyd, who is an upper house, uh, member of the upper house in New South Wales uh, from the Greens. She said, after today, you will not be permitted to protest in New South Wales unless you are protesting in a state sanctioned place on a state sanctioned topic and you have the prior permission of the state. Mm -hmm. This is a terrible day for democracy. Now, yes. Some of those things are kind of already true to a certain extent, right? But this is much more so. Um, because basically these laws will allow the government to change the regulations around what is considered a quote-unquote major facility without having to go through parliament. So they can decide that various things are major facilities and then like, oh, suddenly you're not allowed to protest at like this convention center where a mining gotcha. convention is happening or whatever. Um, Labour, of course voted this legislation through they did get a carve out for industrial action so like you know fine but just fucking... i mean it's already enough laws saying like preventing industrial action being legal like yeah it's like uh, talking about state sanctioned places and state sanctioned topics but hey uh so yeah obviously yeah. this is fucking awful stuff here but like i guess if you wanted to put a slight positivity corner sheen on this uh, fashy australia mm -hmm. segment like i'm not sure that you could get better a better demonstration that blockade australia's actions are having an impact yeah, yeah right sure. like to warrant this kind of immediate response from the state like that is knee-jerk like lizard brain fear like yeah, response yeah. right it reminds me of that um quote that's often attributed to mahatma gandhi that you know first they ignore you then they make fun of you then they fight you then you win 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We've and gone like... through the, we don't have to worry about them, and they're a bunch of jobless hippies, and now it's two years jail time and thousands of dollars fines. Yeah. Um, and like, there's a big gap between those last two steps, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's nice to be at that uh, step. Thanks, Gandhi. Critical support for Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, look, you know, COVID has demonstrated that, you know, our like hyper kind of globalized supply chains are really really weak at points like that comparatively minuscule amounts of pressure can severely fuck up you know government and like private industry operations so you know i guess to sum up fuck the fascist new south wales government um and the labor opposition that enables them but also like power and solidarity to blockade australia who like do genuinely seem to be carving out like an effective way forward for meaningful activism mm-hmm. in this country. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you know, from whence you can get it, there from take it. Yep. Yeah. On that note. Positivity um, so we've got two positivity corners. This one is just a quick one from the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Uh, quote, working days lost to industrial action in Australia is at nine-year highs. Hey. Um, so that means there are more people protesting more often than we've seen for a decade, which you might recall was like the end of the global financial crisis. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so from the ABS, uh, key statistics. In the December quarter of 2021, 55 disputes occurred. 57,200 employees were involved and 68,500 working days lost. Disputes occurred in eight industries and eight states and territories. During the year ended December 2021, there were 130 disputes and a total of 116,600 working days lost, Um, which is fucking sick. Um, And there's this amazing graph that's like line go up, except it's like the protest line, not the capitalist profit line. Yeah. Um, It's really satisfying. Go down. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Protest line go up. That's it. Industrial action is great. Join your union and get involved and skip work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, negativity corner conditions so bad, forcing people to protest. protest. Yeah. 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 Like, I think also that it's interesting that this is, uh, you you, you point to the end of the GFC, but the other thing that we've discussed a few times is the like 2.5% wage rise cap that the New South Wales state government put on public sector wages, which is kind of now like coming home to roost as inflation massively rises. And so you have, you know, teachers and, and rail workers. Yeah. yeah. People who have, and like nurses, people who haven't striked in a decade is yeah. always the thing. So it's like, I, I would be very interested to see, to see the breakdown of those numbers by state. Cause I reckon a lot of them would be coming from New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, Just but yes. by the way, I think it's stricken, not striked, but that's fine. Uh, you've also got a little positivity corner for us. Here's I it. do, I do. Um, and this week it was Trans Day of Visibility, which, like, you know, is it a good thing that we need Trans Day of Visibility? Maybe not, but also it's a time to, you know, recognize and, and celebrate our trans comrades and, uh, you know, and offer what kind of support and, and like, love we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather than speaking on that uh, myself this week... Um, I asked a trans member of the Ospol shitposting community whether I could share something that they wrote on Facebook. And so I wanted to, and, and uh, Amina has very graciously uh, said that uh, I could read a bit of this uh, post that they made about Trans Day of Visibility, which I thought was really beautiful. So I'm just going to yeah, read that now. Yeah, I thought it was a great uh, little essay that they wrote. I really enjoyed it. Mm, um. Totally agree. Points, but yeah, and we're, we're, I'm going to link to the this full post in the description of the episode. But Great. here's a little excerpt. 
One day, I hope to live in a world where there is no more need for transgender activism, where being trans is something completely unremarkable and access to transition care is available to anyone who needs it. But as long as transgender rights are a political issue, it will be necessary for those of us who can do so safely to live our lives in a bit of a spotlight. Each generation of happy and thriving trans adults is a beacon for the next generation of trans kids to follow. I wouldn't be here without such courageous trailblazers. At a time in my life when I was convinced something was just terribly wrong with me, they gave me the words I needed to be compassionate towards myself, to understand my own mind as something other than broken. I hope that by being open about my own journey and struggles, I might do for someone in the future what so many people once did for me. Maybe that is a vain and impossible hope, but this all seemed impossible to me too, once upon a time. Mm. Yeah, I think that really strikes the right note about visibility being this like blessing and a curse but a sort of necessary step towards actual liberation and equality or something yeah yeah i think it's sort of reflective of that process you were talking about before noon where it's like you know the point at which you're most exposed is also mm. the point kind of it, it is like a necessary thing to pass through right um and i've seen the point made across social media that like trans people right now are highly visible you know totally. they're being placed at the center of, the, of these fucking bullshit culture wars and are being directly targeted mm -hmm, by mm -hmm. name in like bigoted legislation I'm just thinking about like danny Laidley, um the mm. former football coach who was basically like taunted and publicly humiliated by police who arrested her Jesus, yeah. um and like yeah visibility is used to punish people as well as yeah celebrate or center them and um yeah, I don't know. I've I've seen a lot of posts from people being like, I don't want to be visible. I'm visible all the fucking time. Yeah. And I just want people not to notice that I'm Yeah. Here or whatever. Exactly. You know, like Yeah. So a complicated I, day, but yeah, as you say, Zach, much solidarity and love for um our trans and gender non conforming members of our community absolutely. and um And thank you again, Amana, for uh letting us share that beautiful piece of writing. Yeah. Uh okay, let's move on now. Now, what starts with the letter C? Cookie starts with C. Let's think of other things that starts with C. Uh, ah, who cares about other things? Uh, I feel bad about using that sting for this segment. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we come up with, oh, this is a great idea. It'll really represent the topic very accurately. And then all of our news is depressing. Um... Yes. Uh, so the town of Lismore in New South Wales has flooded again for the mm. second time in a month, which kind of puts paid to the to the label of like once in five hundred year flood that was getting yeah. around. Um, yeah, twice in one month flood doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Um, one woman, um, a nurse, has been found dead. Obviously, thousands of people have been displaced. Another horrible detail that I read this week was about the mass death of farmed animals mm -hmm. with this like second flood interrupting the collection of the corpses of animals killed in the first flood. Just like, you know, unimaginably grim stuff here. Um, also, the like, again, kind of systemic failures around the mm -hmm. evacuation situation, like an evacuation warning was issued and then retracted. And then after a bit more rainfall was like reissued. I also Jeez. saw screen caps of like emergency warning texts from the SES saying that there would be no evacuation alarm because the system was broken. So like, just like, you know, okay. which like obviously 
you know the res the the, the like emergency resources up there are like stretched right, right. to breaking point. Um, I'm sure someone didn't decide just like ah we'll just not send out. They the, yeah. I'm sure there was something broken and this was the best they could do. But like also, this definitely seems to be you know another uh, variation on a theme, right? Yeah, we've yep. seen kind of throughout these disasters. And look, I, I just literally have no frame of reference for imagining the fucking total exhaustion of, yeah. of people in this mall, right? Like, after the first flood, one in nine homes in the mm-hmm. town were either destroyed or, like, rendered unlivable. Um, I read it was a, there's quite a good Guardian piece that kind of collects a few quotes from, like, community members. And mm-hmm. I'm going to read a quote here from um, the mayor of Lismore, a guy called Steve Krieg, who... Uh, the Guardian says, lost his house and cafe in the last floods and describes himself as numb. We went through all the emotions, our sadness and our grieving four weeks ago. Really, it's like picking the bones off a carcass at the moment. I haven't lost my house because I lost it four weeks ago. All my belongings have already gone. What emotions are you supposed to feel other than exhaustion? Yeah. Um, they also quote Justin Elliott, who is the federal labor MP for Richmond, which is the electorate that contains Lismore. The MP says there was no help for the devastated region in the budget. It's just frustrating and disappointing for the community because of the extent of it, not to see a significant amount of money going into it. They've got that $4.8 billion emergency fund, and they're just not using a huge amount of that to help us out at this time. And then she goes on to call for like a full transparent inquiry into the lack of the like prepared response to this. And like as we've discussed previously, there is an inquiry happening. At a New South Wales level, anyway, and it's being run by cops into cops, um, and we kind of know what the outcomes of those out. inquiries yeah. tend to be. Um, here's a quote from the from the conversation: "Is this unprecedented? While the height of the first flood is a new record, back-to-back floods have happened before. Brisbane suffered three of the largest floods then recorded in rapid succession back in 1893. Floods can come in clusters as the world warms." The atmosphere can hold more water. That means we are, we are more likely to see larger floods. It's time to consider relocating flood-prone towns. Mm, this is something people have been talking about a lot recently. Yeah, and I just, like, obviously we're talking, you know, orders of magnitude difference here. But, like, once you are talking about, you know, solutions on the scale of relocating entire towns... But, like, the idea of s- slowing down fossil fuel production is just, right, like... Right, right, right. You know, it's like, oh, no, that's way too difficult. Oh, no, no, no. Like, Well, just... what about the economy? I'm sure the economy won't suffer from moving a city five kilometers away. Uh, it's it's kind of, yeah, mind-boggling to me. And it, like, It's such a good, uh, like, capitalist realism moment. Yes. Um, there is no alternative. Like, we're just doing this, and if you guys have to move your city... For us to keep doing it, that's what it's going to take, you know? Yeah, no, hugely. That's exactly, like, it's exactly what it is. And I, I don't know, it's like, you know, I, often we talk about experiencing a kind of total disconnect between, you know, the world of Australian politics and the reality of, like, people trying to live in this continent. And it's it just hasn't been, you know, and, like, there's obviously a huge disparity there when it comes to like how many people want climate action how many people understand we need climate action right Right. this uh, you know these floods and these disasters have kind of made that 
disparity even more stark to me. I mean, you know, people are sitting there being like, we got thousands of fucking homeless people. We've got, you know, the the disaster response has been a total mess. We're not getting, you know, funding that we need. Did and- you see also some people who've been placed in temporary emergency accommodation? The New South Wales government is like, sorry, guys, you're going to have to move for a couple of months because we've got tourists coming to the area. Jesus um, Christ. And so 60 people are being relocated to a different hotel, like 80 kilometers away or something. Um, and they'll get moved back to the current temporary one when holiday season is over. That's bonkers. Like, but again, like insane shit. Very capitalist realism again. Like the, right. you know, the economy has to tick over. It's got to keep functioning. And like you, the the government hands down this budget this week, where you know people are kind of like you know their houses are like up to the like up to the roof in water, Completely and the budget, full, yeah. and the, they're talking about oh yeah, you know, it's like we've got a bit of money for training new apprentices, right? You know, and like increase cybersecurity measures or whatever and people kind of sitting there like it's Guys, just to- like a fuck? total yeah. fucking disconnection between our government and the reality like and reality right yep uh yeah so um i guess something to keep in mind for when we do talk about the budget later in the episode and yeah i guess you know what we can do is is really offer like you know our love and support to the people of Ismore and everybody who's like doing what they can to help mm-hmm. out up there um if any and, listeners want to get involved in helping out, we've got a couple of friends who have been driving up there from Sydney mm. um, to help out, and uh, they seem, like, fairly connected with the actual community and, like, have some ways of, like, doing stuff that's actually helpful or whatever. So if you want to get involved with that, um, maybe shoot us an email or um, post an Ospol shit posting or something, um, and we can try and hook you up with some of those people who are heading out to um, get involved, yeah. Also, if you know of any fundraisers that mm-hmm. should be signal boosted, that's something that we'd love to do on the show as well. So, yeah. you know, get in touch with anything that you think that um, we could be helpful with in that regard. Uh, all right. I think that'll do it for that section, Noon. Sure. Well, we've got another really sad story next. It's our First Nations story for this week. And I'm going to give a content warning um, about another Indigenous man who has died in custody. So that's, that's what it's be about. And if you don't want to hear that, um, we'll put time codes so you can skip past. Yeah, so uh, a young Indigenous man killed himself in Hakia Prison in Western Australia. Um, and he'd been placed in the punishment unit. Um, that Jesus. sounds like a sensible thing. To... I actually edited the Wikipedia page um, on Hakia Prison while I was doing this um, oh, really? uh, piece because it was like, they have special management units that are designed to help ease prisoners into the new environment or something like that. And then all of the articles were like, well, it's basically like extraordinarily extra cruel solitary pu- pu- confinement. So here's a quote from the ABC. The Office of the Inspector of Custodial Services has repeatedly condemned the management unit, that is the, the punishment unit, euphemistically known as the management unit, at Hakier as, quote, outdated and not fit for purpose. Following an inspection in 2016, it called for the construction of an entirely new purpose-built unit. When it was inspected again in 2019, it noted while this had been supported in principle by the department, nothing had been done and the situation, quote, had only worsened. There are no showers in the cells and some lack, quote, any environmental enrichment, human connection or other amenities, despite these being required by official departmental policies. So these are blank rooms with no human contact or furniture, visible anything. Um, and they are, well, yeah, uh, it seems that this guy who killed himself was put in this 
punishment unit for taking part in a protest at the Acacia prison before he was transferred to Hakia. And I think we actually talked about this uh, Acacia prison um, quote-unquote riot mm. uh, where the prisoners got on the roof and made uh, banners out of their uniforms um, calling for help and support. And um, this... Oh, I was going to say, sorry, I added the Wikipedia page because it was like, oh, these management units help people, blah, blah, blah. And so I just put in some, like, accurate information about them being punishment torture chambers, basically, and put in some... They're, like, so absolutely up there. devastating to people's mental well-being. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, this guy is also self-harming, both at Acacia and after he was moved yeah. to the Hakia prison. And his mother said that she had repeatedly called the prison the Department of um, Corrections or whatever it's called in Western Australia, and the Aboriginal Visitors Scheme, which is a in-prison program that's meant to help support Indigenous people who are in jail who are struggling with mental health and self-harm. And his mum said that when he died two weeks later, he still hadn't got a visit from the AVS, even though that's literally their entire purpose. Um, it seems that he repeatedly called for help from the guards and they were just like fully ignored and it seems like that's partly... such a common like i feel like right. with so many of the cases of deaths yep. in custody was discussed on that show share that exact same detail or worse mm-hmm. that like, they're laughed at or right you right. know mocked well yeah this is what his mum claims has happened and like how would she know if they were laughing at him or whatever but she knows that he pressed the button multiple times yep. intercom button um, but the thing is about these punishment units, they're also built in a way that means that the guards can't l- l- keep an eye on the prisoners. They've got these like weird corners and like twisty corridors and stuff. So the guards who are in the like guard area can't check on the prisoners unless they like go in deliberately to do it, but they ignore the calls. And it also, it seems like this man was meant to be under 24-hour medical supervision, according to an Aboriginal advocate um, who was quoted in this Guardian article. So, like, they... Yeah, and he was put in these punishment units because he was thought to be involved in this protest at Acacia, right? So he was put in solitary in Acacia for a week, moved to Hakia, put in solitary in these punishment units for two weeks, let out for, like, a couple of days, and then put back in, um, and... Then a week later, he killed himself after being in there for the end of his third week. Um, so this is from the ABC again, um, and this is a quote from Laura Cound, who is his mother. Laura Cound does not believe her son received first aid quickly enough. She says she has not received any formal report on his death from the Department of Justice and has not been allowed to see his body. She wants answers about how he died. The family believe the guards ignored his calls for help, pressing an intercom button in the cell for more than an hour before, quote, everything went silent. Jesus Christ. They also think he asked to be transferred to the mental health crisis care unit, but this request was ignored. His mother says this information has come from other inmates in the unit being held near the dead man. Mm. So, yeah, it sounds to me like these cells are specifically designed to make people kill themselves. Um, They're definitely designed to like inflict as much psychological punishment as possible right and that's like going to be an obvious outcome yep and when the prison regulator is like these are disgusting need to be torn down built with something purpose built and then they come back three years later and are like this is even worse than that jesus these are cruel and carefully designed torture facilities um so that's the story as it is thus far, but I wanted to finish off this little piece with um, some words about 
the dead man from his sister. Anyone that knew Ricky knew any room he walked in, he would light it up. He was the life of the party. There was something about him. He was special. He was so full of joy, so funny. Everything you could ask for in one person, the whole package. And this ABC article is just full of these beautiful pictures of this young man smiling. And you can just see exactly what his sister's talking about just from mm. these images of him. Um, yeah. I mean, it seems almost trite to say that it's a tragedy because it's not even like, you know, it, the tragedy is passive. You know, mm, mm -hmm. this is fucking despicable you know mm -hmm. yep thanks well, for taking us through that noon um sure. we'll take a beat and then and move on to our budget coverage it was the best of takes it was the blurst of takes you stupid monkey <laughs> so there'll probably be a few like blurst takes scattered throughout this budget situation but um really the biggest blurst take of all is the budget itself yeah 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 um so yeah maybe you heard listeners uh it was budget this week mm -hmm. and you know noon and i oh, we... shout out to the people who came to my live stream uh it was real fun it's the most successful stream i've ever done which makes sense given i mostly spruik my stream to people who listen to my australian politics podcast um and Normally, I do games, not Australian politics, so that, that checks out. But thanks, everyone, for coming. I had a really nice time. Yeah, I dropped in for, like, 15 minutes and had fun. Yeah. Uh, congrats on your good stream, Noon. Thanks. Um, yeah, we, we kind of, like, go back and forth on how best to talk about budget stuff, because, like, mm -hmm. one of the worst things about it is the media coverage, right? Yep. And, but neither you or I is going to, like, go through the budget individually. And, no. like, no. You know, especially um, this one, but yeah. So there's a lot of like media interpretation involved, but then there's this whole thing of like, what the fuck is the budget? It's a bunch of bullshit. It's just the opportunity for the government to like set the political agenda for a week or two, and in this case, like an excuse for them to dress up flagrantly, like flagrant re-election measures as if they're part of some plan for the country's financial future or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um. <laughs> So having said, it's also all that, funny how unbinding it is. Like they're just kind of like, "Yeah, this is our plan," and then they don't do any of it except the bad bits. And it's like, well, and they can okay. just like include or exclude any kind of measures they want. Yeah. Yeah. Really, you know, like almost every government policy has some kind of financial segment attached to it, right? So you can just be like, "Yeah, you know, this bit of financial relief over like over fuel—that's a budget thing. It's totally a budget thing." Or it's like other countries have just been like. Hey guys, fuel's really expensive right now. We're just going to cut it. You know, we're not going to wait till like <laughs> it's going to be politically useful for us to do that. Um, anyway, it's still helpful, I think, to you know have a little bit of a chat about what's in there because it Some is headline you know, items. Yeah, and it tells you like not only just to keep up to date with the like conversation around this, I guess, but also like uh -huh. it does tell you a lot always about the government's actual agenda, right? Um, so, yeah, the headline is that it's an election budget. Uh, election is coming up. The government is sort of shitting their pants quietly about this. And so it's time for bribes, bribes, bribes. So, big Looks one that everybody's... Bribes is coming. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. 
Uh, the big ones everyone's talking about is the $420 tax offset. Nice. Nice. Increase for up to uh, for people who are earning up to $126,000 a year. I mean, so, they're really doing it tough. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you know, as low as 18000 <laughs> They are legitimately <laughs> doing it doing tough. It tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but below that, of course, you get nada. Because, yeah. you know, this has been reported in some places as a payment. And that uh-huh. would be a blessed take. ABC because it's not a payment it's a tax offset so yeah, yeah if you earn eight, less than $18,000 a year and you're not or on if you're paying less than $420 tax also get nothing <laughs> uh so yeah you, you don't get anything uh but the other kind of element of this that I think is pretty funny and this is why it's like you know you, you just need to scratch like one layer beneath the surface when talking about budget stuff, right? Ugh. As opposed to just being like so annoying four hundred and twenty dollars at tax offset. Hey, look a little bit closer. The government is removing the temporary low to medium income tax offset that they introduced uh-huh. around Corona time, uh-huh. um, which people have been you know it's like been taking like a thousand dollars off sort of middle income earners tax. Okay. Yeah, bill yeah. for like since 2019 right so, they're, so yeah. they're putting back part of that for like a month or two until the they get reelected or whatever. basically like, yeah so this is going to be the last year that that offset which has been around for a couple of years is going to be around so they kind of use this is like a little sweetener for the last time that you get it so enjoy it while it lasts people uh it's going to go away forever and then everybody's tax bill is going to go up except of course yeah for people earning shit loads of money because the government staged three tax cuts which give massive tax breaks to like millionaires like and pretty much ago. nothing to everyone else and are going to be permanent and which Labour has committed to keeping take a drink. coming to effect <laughs> next year. Take a drink. Uh, yeah, so, hey, but for, 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 420, blase, cool. blissy blase. So also there is a $250 payment that's been uh-huh. announced for people who are on welfare. Uh-huh. Do you feel secure now, Noon? Yeah, I mean, that 250 really... That's going to sort it all out, I think. Mm. Does Morrison yeah. have your vote? Well, I mean, as I've been a liberal voter my whole life, Zach. So, I mean, this <laughs> isn't really the deciding factor. But if I didn't before, I would be now, for sure. Does it make you feel better about the government projecting $11 billion less spending on welfare over the next uh, four years? Absolutely. I would definitely prefer to get a one-off tiny handout instead of like a ongoing livable income for sure well boy do i have a budget for you um yeah so that's happening um (laughs) there was also that fuel excise thing that i mentioned you know they're cutting the like how much they tax you basically for petrol it from 44 to 22 cents a liter for a while uh i think it's gonna be for six months or whatever again should that be a budget thing it's fucking debatable but Whatever. The other big one that um, has been doing the rounds in the news is this, like, first home buyers thing. Right, right, right. So they've, like, made it possible for, like, a couple dozen thousand people to only need to put down a 5% deposit on a new house. And I believe they're removing the requirement for them to have to get mortgage insurance. So, in other words, woo, debts. You know what's going to make it easier for you to buy a house? Debts, baby. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. You've probably heard about this via Scott Morrison's comments on the Today Show where Uh he was very mildly grilled about, hey, most people rent and renting really fucking sucks and there's no rental relief in the budget. And he said, quote, 
it's about Australians Renters getting into homes. Of shit. <laughs> oh, sorry. What did you say? <laughs> no, you, you take off your they live glasses. It's, yeah, about, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about Australians getting into homes. The best way to support people who are renting a house is to help is to them punch buy them in a the house. Nose. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Off noon. Um, which, like, you know, it's been going around as like Morrison says the best way to, you know, support renters is to buy a house. house. Yeah. And then, and I was like, you know, these things, they sometimes get sort of taken out of context a little bit. And I read the whole interview and I was like, nah. Like, the re- interviewer responds being like, yeah, I'm talking about people who are renting now. And he's like, so am I. Like, <laughs> we're on the same page yeah. here. I'm just a fuck. Like, with. let That's me absolutely so- be clear that what I'm saying is the best way to support renters is for them to buy a house. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Budget elsewhere. Uh, a point that someone. <laughs> made on the internet that I thought was a very good point was like, is there any other industry where the government's like, we need like, there's there's not enough supply and too much demand what we'll do is help drive up the prices, <laughs> like that's gonna really sort this out, just gonna get a bunch more demand in this market um, it is basic economics known uh-huh. and there definitely are going to be no major repercussions for this None. Um, yeah. Uh, especially not for the people who are like getting their threshold for whether or not they're going to be allowed to borrow life altering amounts of money. With no insurance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so good, lots good of budget coverage, especially the ABC, likes to do winners and losers. But uh-huh. um, I'm not going to do winners <laughs> and losers. I, uh, but I will talk about spending and cuts. So let's talk about sure. let's talk about oh my god <laughs> just hearing you very sensibly frame what they're talking about but without the bullshit just makes me so much more annoyed at that there's a there's already words for these that don't involve you jacking off the government a little bit yeah. you know like and like i'm still basically taking the budget's logic as read, even when talking about spending and cuts here, right? It's like I'm buying into it more than I want to, even just by using that. All right. But uh, spending, no. yes, mental health. And this has been uh, an ABC winner, <laughs> many years running. And uh, now to just sort of as a palate cleanser, uh, let's, let's balance this segment out with a blessed take. This one mm-hmm. from at Ben underscore MC1 on Twitter. Wow, mental health named is an ABC budget winner, five years running. I haven't checked, but it must be really easy and cheap to see a psychiatrist therapist after five years at the top. Yeah. Uh, God. Care to yep. share any insights? No. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I have a psychiatrist who I've been seeing for a long time and is technically a very good, busy, important psychiatrist. And he's too busy and important for me, which means that he's constantly canceling appointments with like four hours notice because he has to go to like board meetings or like lobby the government to not kill teenagers or whatever and um it's very inconvenient and i've been trying to find another psychiatrist and i'm on ndis as many listeners will know and so i have a support coordinator it's like a case manager basically her job is to help me find services for my mental health and then help me pay for those services using my ndis budget and uh she's i was like i need a new psychiatrist and she's like i'll find one a solid month later, she got back to me. She couldn't find literally a single psychiatrist who was taking bookings. And she was like, would you like a counselor in the meantime? 
Jesus Christ. And I was like, no, I need someone who can write me a fucking script for medication. Do you know what the, like, one single main thing that a psychiatrist, that a psychiatrist does. does? Yeah, exactly, yeah. No, but that's not really an option, so... Uh, but five years at the cool. top noon. Budget hey. winner. Well, I think from your next note, you're going to talk about why that keeps getting um, done, and then I can be angry about something else real quick. So why don't you, you bet. <laughs> drop that knowledge? Yeah, so uh, the reason mental health is listed as an ABC winner is because the government has committed to spending half a billion dollars on the National Mental Health and Suicide Prevention Plan. Most of that money is going to be going to organizations like Lifeline, and headspace uh, woo. um uh and also keeping the like 10 subsidized extra visits to a psych that you can get on medicare yes. that they introduced which like yeah sure that's good but also like good. free make it free make it yeah, free yeah, and yeah. Also it's like it takes off like at all 40 percent of the price for 20 yeah yeah and i realize yeah. again we're talking supply and demand here um you know so what I was going to get mad about, uh, and Please. this is probably a rant people have heard me do before, heard other people do before, but the Australia's psychiatric or mental health care system basically has two modes, which are like people with short, there's like the, the bottom one is like people with short term issues that might be, for example, you have a divorce and need some support. And like that might not be short term in like a personal sense, but like it might last a year or two or something. It's not like a, a diagnosis or whatever. There are uh, a lot of Been other people. I've got clinical divorce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People who want support quitting smoking people who have been unemployed and are finding that really difficult there's a whole lot of these things kids who are stressed at school a really common one and that's what headspace is for basically under you know youth mental health Mm. care and so australia is reasonably good at supplying care for this like bottom section or was until a pandemic happened and now there are no therapists available yeah Yeah. but like in theory the government does actually support people in getting help for that and then at the other end there are people with really intense situations who basically need round-the-clock monitoring to prevent them from suiciding or whatever Mm. and so they're like leaners inpatient care no i don't think the government thinks of these people as leaners i think they think of them as like actually crazy or like (laughs) the actually sick people from mental illness or whatever right they're like okay we'll lock you in a padded cell and like again i'm sure there's a lot of issues with that system but the australian government does relatively well at making inpatient beds available not trying to say it's a good system listeners who have had difficulty with that i'm not trying to say it's fine or whatever. But like those are kind of the two modes that the Australian like subsidies for mental health care operate on. Mm. And then in the middle is like people like me with extremely severe ongoing mental health issues, but not to the extent that we need inpatient care, mm. but to the extent that 10 subsidized psych visits does nothing. Like I've been yeah. seeing my therapist for like more than half a decade now. Um, and like there's just like it's not there's no it's fucking support a drop for that. In the bucket. Yeah. yeah, and like even NDIS, which I have, is like, well, I think they're they're basically trying to cut my mental health care funding because they're like, well, it's covered by Medicare. And it's like, well, a tiny is little it? piece of it is partially covered by <laughs> Medicare. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That, uh, mental that's health my rant. budget winner. Um, <laughs> cool. That's the takeaway there. Yeah. 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 Somewhere else where the government is spending money is the Australian Signals Directorate, who you uh-huh. know they they do spying. They're getting 
10 billion dollars which is roughly 20 times what they uh -huh. have <laughs> for mental allocated health, yeah, for yeah. mental health uh this resulted in a like really fucking weirdly dystopian image on the abc winners and losers article which just said winner cyber spying which is like <laughs> Oh, great. Good, we're cool. taking care of the cyber spying. Yeah, at least, yeah. you know, no matter what else happens, I've got that cyber spying <laughs> thing handled, okay? Cyber spying's taken care of. I can. T I don't need to worry about Dust that anymore. My hands. Yeah, That's yeah. off my plate. Um, the other one that uh, has been talked about a little bit is the government investing some money into new recycling technology. God, this one pisses me off a I lot. I know you've got feelings about this, no. <laughs> Yeah, so... You hate $60 million in new soft plastics recycling technology? Is that what you're trying to tell me? I, I fucking love recycling. <laughs> I, I briefly volunteered at a recycling factory where my job was to put different types of plastic in different tubs. Um, it was it does cool. sound right up your alley. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a game you would play, actually. <laughs> Recycling yeah. sorta 2022 noon clocking 700 hours. Come on stream. Sorry, go on. <laughs> wow, 60 billion for roast mode. <laughs> no, it would be more like cycling plant manager simulator. <laughs> Absolutely, I don't want to do that hands-on shit. I want to hire people who sort it. And like, eh, my plastic sorter isn't very good. Maybe I'll upgrade him. His sorting yeah. speeds are only a 6.5. So um, <laughs> I did ask you for your opinion on this issue. <laughs> what shits me off about it isn't the funding that's being allocated, which is good and should have been done a long time ago it's the way the government talks about it mm. and they're like we have decided we have to be responsible with our waste no more exporting our recycling to go to chinese landfill we're gonna take care of this ourselves this is the we're the first country in the world to blah 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 blue and again <laughs> long-term listeners will have heard me complain about this before but that policy was introduced roughly a month after China announced it would no longer be importing our recycling. <laughs> oh, yeah? You're banning our, our exports? Well, we're banning your imports. Yeah. So, yeah. Again, it's like, you know, yeah, budget. Here's, here's all the cool stuff we're doing off our we own have a bat plan budget. for the future. Yeah. Oh, no, shit. No, you wait. fucking don't. <laughs> yeah. It's more reactive garbage. <laughs> Literally. Anyway. Yep. Um, yes. So that's spending. Um, now let's winners, get... Zach. I think the term is winners. Sorry, recycling winners, is winners. That's winners. Now let's get to the losers. Um, cuts. Uh, and like, none of these will surprise you. And I was hoping to get. Uh, I, I forgot to organize this, but I wanted to get some of that music that like they play on The Simpsons when they're rolling like a list of people that a TV show is like apologizing to or something. It's like, I dun, know dun, the dun, scene dun, you're talking dun, about. Dun, 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 yeah, yeah. So imagine that playing in the background. Um, here are some things that are having their budgets cut. Aboriginal legal services. Here's a quote from the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Services. We're concerned that no additional funding for legal assistance services or peak justice bodies will further see our people disproportionately overrepresented in the criminal legal system. Yep. Yep. Also, public school funding is being cut by $559 million over okay. three years. But it's okay, what? Noon. Private school funding is going up by $2.6 billion over forward estimates. So, right. two. Just by the way, we've managed to avoid using that phrase forward estimates uh, up until now. That means eight years. Uh, so, in quick maths here, three years, uh, say 500 million <laughs> times two and a bit. That's less than 
2.6 billion. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. All right. Uh, the arts cut by around 20% in total, particularly hard hit uh, film and television funding and sc- funding for Screen Australia. Uh-huh. Well, they've just been doing really well during the pandemic, so it's only fair they tighten their belt a little now in the in the recovery. Couldn't, you know? couldn't agree with you more, Noon. Fuck movies. <laughs> if this is a fuck movies podcast, the Australian Human Rights Commission have had their budget cut fuck by em. over one-third over the forward estimates. Great. Uh you know, the organization that happens to oversee federal anti-discrimination law. Probably just a coincidence. I'd say probably just a coincidence. Also, this one fucking killed me in the ABC coverage. Uh-huh. <laughs> they had a little picture of the earth. It said environment under it. And then okay. it said neutral. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> the continuing active and gleeful destruction of our planet is neutral. You know, because well, the government specific- basically plan that says we're gonna make this worse uh, that well not in the fucking budget specifically again why it's just ongoing <laughs> worseness they're not exactly ramping up the worsening yeah. so why why way. would we talk about it <clears throat> but essentially yeah basically there's very very little mention of any kind of environmental measures in the budget again deeply surprising uh, there is one billion dollars for the Great Barrier Reef which had uh-huh. already been announced again yeah. Why do you get to put this in your... And I believe half of it is going to, like, a nonsense made-up charity owned by Liberal Party members. I haven't so that might be a different that. funding lump or something. But, yeah, that yeah, I haven't could be crossing that lately. I don't know what's yeah. going on with that. There was a lot of, like, kerfuffle about it, and then mm. <laughs> just kind of died down, and maybe they just got that money. I don't know. Um, yeah, but, like, no fucking mentions of renewable energy like at all and Mm -hmm. josh frydenberg said the words climate change one time in his speech so that's a lot more than i was expecting winner climate um and then of course uh the old classic effective cuts to the abc via like underfunding compared to inflation Mm. um which the government loves doing this one of just like not increasing abc funding watching inflation go up then have everybody yell at them on q a about why you Doing cuts to the ABC uh, and they get actually, to point to a piece of paper. Actually, our funding has gone up. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> I would complain about the ABC and then complain about funding cuts to the ABC. But- <laughs> they are conservative, but they're also the best large media outlet in the country. Like, I, there's, Look, know- their budget coverage fucking sucks, but their yeah. coverage of stuff like Lismore Floods has genuinely been really valuable, I think. Right, right, So, right. you know... It's not a fuck you to the whole ABC, but like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What I was going to say was I was going to talk about inflation and the show ended up being long enough and it's sort of dry and had a bad week and whatever. Um, But if that's, if you, listener, have been hearing people be like, oh, inflation, interest rates, budget, inflation, $250. um, (laughs) And you're like, what the fuck is an inflation? Uh, Maybe let me know and I'll talk about it next week if that is something people are interested in. Yeah, I'm interested. I like it. I like hearing about inflation. You love inflation, Zach. Yeah, I love inflation. Uh, the other thing that happens in Budget Week is that the opposition makes a reply. The budget mm. reply. Uh, yeah, so Albanese did do a budget reply of sorts. Uh, mm. He said the words climate change five times. So you know nice. that it's very different. How many times did he say trans? No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Or, or, or queer. No, don't. I don't. I don't want to know. Control F. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. So it's not like a huge amount in 
Labour's like budget reply. The main thing that you'll hear about in the media and the kind of like the sort of flagship policy that they're like staking the kind of like, you know, differentiation between the two major parties on is improving aged care, which mm-hmm. like, you know, good. Yep. That okay. is something that needs improvement. It really, Not really wrong. does. And the government like has massively fucking dropped the ball in it. It's yep. like squarely within Labour's wheelhouse around yep. like health stuff. So yeah. It's also something they potentially get like otherwise would be liberal voters on board, potentially. Yeah, I I I agree. Like I don't think it's a bad idea. I just no, think no, also no. like It is a no no like the as I understand it, the policy is basically like it'll be better though. Um Look so it's I was pleasantly surprised by okay. some of the stuff they had in there. Like, so it's, you know, $2.5 billion is the number they're putting on it. Uh-huh. Um, and they have outlined a number of policy measures, which are good. So, like, aged care facilities having a registered nurse on time uh, right. on site at all times. Um, I was like, thinking about the wages thing that's a, non, uh, a bit of a nothing plan. Yes, yeah, so we'll, on, and we'll come on. to that. Okay. Um, the other, like, uh, the other measure that they said they're going to put in place is um, mandating a minimum 250 minutes of care a day per patient, which, like, again, okay. this is something that came out of the Aged Care Royal Commission. I'm pretty sure something that the government has completely fucking ignored. So, like, yeah, this is not a bad way to differentiate yourself yep. and also, like, could be something that makes a really big, meaningful difference to the quality of life. Of people's life. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so, yeah, there have been, um, you know, like, staff in the aged care sector are massively fucking exploited and mm-hmm. underpaid and you know we're on the front line of the fucking global pandemic that we had maybe you've heard of it um so there's kind of this ongoing debate around uh how much people in the industry get paid and labor have officially called for a wage increase for staff and yes they haven't said how much so initially i was like oh well, it's, also they it's don't classic. control how much like right so Initially, I saw this and I was like, great, more labor bullshit. You know, it's just a fucking, it's a number with some sawdust inside it. Like, and that's all this policy is. But what they've said is that they will support the findings of the Fair Work Commission case about the wages of aged care workers. And that, like, if um, the aged care workers who brought that case win, that pay rise could be uh, like around $5 an hour, which is significant. And the Labour Party said that they would pay some of the difference in wage costs to the aged care home operators because it seems like they feel like they can't afford to pay their staff more at the moment. Mm. Uh, Whether or not that is reflective of their real situation, I'm not sure. Like. I mean, they could cut their profit margin slightly, but I, I don't know how the aged care system works. Yeah, but mean, like, that's that's the maybe... plan: is labor like we will pay half of the wage wage increase or something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's possible that we shouldn't be privatizing like huh. how anything good okay. people's lives are. You know, yeah. care for people shouldn't be something based on a dollar amount. But hey, it's, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. Um, fuck out. Yeah, and that, like, wage increase, which they've committed to, you know, at least in the abstract, and, you know, of course it's Labour, so who knows, but that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that that they've committed to is not part of that $2.5 billion, um, like, funding promise that they've made. It's going to be separate from that because it's probably going to be fucking huge. Like, we're talking, like, yeah, billions and billions of dollars here. So, anyway, that's, like, the one thing in the budget, in in Labour's budget reply that it's like, okay, that's, like, a point of difference. They do, like, mention renewables, kind mm-hmm. of. They say they'll create 600,000 new jobs in renewables and cut power bills. But 
there's obviously no movement on their like woeful emissions target of a 43% reduction by 2030. Mm -hmm. And again, this is stuff that Labor has already talked about. Like, you know, they're like... That's more target shit, man. Like, they just don't want the government to have anything that they can latch onto and be like, this is irresponsible. Um, Yeah. Uh, but it's it's kind of played out in this weird way of like because the government didn't really put anything in theirs either. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. the government was like, "I'll give you five bucks," and Albanese's like, "I'm going to do aged care," and that's pretty much what the whole debate has been between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, of course, no mention of like stopping fossil fuel production. No, no, of course. In Labor's budget reply, that would either. be economic vandalism, Zach. No, exactly. And beyond that, yeah, look, it's pretty similar. You know, infrastructure. Woo, who likes yeah, infrastructure? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do with some infrastructure. More money for training apprentices and that kind of thing. Um, yep. So, yeah, I'm not sure there's a huge amount to unpack there beyond that. But look, that's a bit of an overview of some budget stuff that happened. Lots of it is just uh, political nonsense, mm-hmm. I suppose, and doesn't bear a huge amount of analysis. But, like, you know... There are some things in there that might have an effect on your life. So, mm-hmm. you know, I figured it was worth talking about. But yeah. anyway, the other thing that happens in Budget Week is you get memes. Shit post of the week. We've got a few budget shit posts here we Hell want yeah. to shout out. First up, some OC, crunchy, fresh OC from Tara Marie Oliver in the Ospol Shitposting Facebook group. Thank you for this beautiful meme. It says, Lid Budget 2022. And it's got a kind of flow chart, which like starts a cycle with, that goes around. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a cycle chart. Uh, which starts with lower taxes, leads to Australians still have no money in their actual pockets, so can't afford to live, leads to question mark, leads to somehow companies raise their wages voluntarily mm-hmm. despite no increased income from Aussies not having more money in their pockets, leads to lower taxes. Uh-huh. And the, the, the beautiful cycle of life continues. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's a pretty fair <laughs> uh, description of government economic policy would you agree now mm-hmm. oh absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, especially the question marks i feel like that really informs <laughs> a lot of their decisions yeah. and then uh, we're going to also shouts to paul roberts for sharing in this get up budget bingo night card into the group uh-huh. which <laughs> and um making the very good point that this these fucking people this bingo grid is not God a square. Damn it, Labor! It's four by five. Four squares by five. The middle square is not in the middle. There and is no middle. As Jacob Coughlin pointed out, how did someone look at the non-central central space and think this was good to go? Like you just have to come up with five more things. It's that not the that government hard likes to say. And also, the ones that they've put on there are just like, I don't know. It's so. How do you do, fellow kids? energy and not in a good way <laughs> yeah you know yep. this is the shit post of the week I, I think but thank you paul for drawing our attention to this horrible get up shit post uh noon there has been another development in meme news in meme technology and memeology yeah, yeah yeah that's right it, obviously it, will smith slapped chris rock at the grammys he will- <laughs> What? Emmys? No, no, no. The Grammys got, Oscars? The Grammys haven't happened for like 10, 15 years. I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> uh, whatever. Some awards. And, and, and obviously, you know, listeners, you all know, it's become a meme. Um, uh, and there's one that uh, Rowena posted into the group that was originally a Young Liberals post that I believe got very 
quickly deleted? I'm not 100%. <laughs> it was a tweet from the Young Liberals account. It says, Labor can't manage money. That's why they come after yours. And it's Will Smith labeled Labor's higher taxes, and he's smashing hardworking Australians. Um, and then we got another memes. one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know about memes. Um, uh, Ryan May shared this into the group uh, as a tweet from Malcolm Roberts, the uh, One Nation senator. Uh, who said the renewables industry wouldn't survive in a free market, which, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> and it's Will Smith labeled switching the grid to renewables, smashing your power bill, which again, uh, I think maybe it was Ryan who posted this, pointed out, like, he's got the meme format wrong. This is implying that, like... Yeah, I think bill, the comment like was maybe, like, less. conservative self, today in conservative self-owns or something. Exactly, like, yeah, yeah. Yes, switching the grid to renewables will Would. massively reduce your power bill. Yeah. But, like, I've got a theory that Malcolm hasn't made a mistake here with this beam, knows what he's doing, and he thinks that regular people would be upset to see their power bill go down because that means the power companies would be getting less money, and that's like bad that for the economy, and that's like un-Australian. Mm-hmm. So take your pick. Um, <laughs> it's not good either way. Uh, anyway, Noon, uh, something else happened on the day that... Yes. The budget was announced. Yes. Uh, which is, I would say, altogether funnier than the budget. Would you, you agree? Not wrong, Zach. Let's hit that sting. Let's hit it. Say what you will about Pauline. Cory Bernardi's right about this. You know, one. you have to hand it to ISIS. I don't normally agree with Channel Seven. You do have to hand it to ISIS. Demon tier operators. <laughs> it's time yeah. for some demon tier operators. <laughs> totally. Uh, I've forgotten that phrase. I'm glad you're bringing it back um yeah so there's a, actually there's a secret second broken clock within this broken clock so we'll we'll get there so <laughs> listeners as you've heard it was budget night this week very big important night for the government to pretend they know what they're doing which makes it a perfect opportunity for a salty liberal mp to ruin and that's hey. exactly what senator conchetta fieravanti wells chose to do uh, so a couple of hours after the budget speech, she stood up and laid into Morrison. Uh, Zach, can we get some of that audio? Oh, yeah, yeah, I definitely have it ready. They continue to despair at our prospects at the next federal election, and they blame Morrison for this. Our members do not want to help in the upcoming election. By now, you might be getting the picture that Morrison is not interested in the rules-based order. It is his way or the highway, an autocrat, a bully who has no moral compass. He is adept at running with the foxes and hunting with the hounds, lacking the moral compass and having no conscience. His actions conflict with his portrayal as a man of faith. He has used his so-called faith as a marketing advantage. A bully and an autocrat with no moral compass. Tell us what you really think. (laughs) A man with no conscience. Yep. Uh... (laughs) There was a bunch of other stuff that she said. There was quite a long speech. There's a very appropriate saying here, the fish stinks from the head. Morrison and Hawke have ruined the Liberal Party in New South Wales by trampling its constitution. I've received hundreds, if not thousands, of emails outlining their disgust. They have lost faith in their party. They want to leave. Morrison is not fit to be Prime Minister, and Hawke is certainly not fit to be a minister. Um, We haven't really, like gone into the Liberal Party New South Wales pre-selection We did, I talked thing. about it a month ago or something. Oh, we did, no, um, we, just, we haven't checked in on it, and it's like, there's going. fucking developments, and they're trying to get it, like, 
to the high court and stuff, and it's yeah. a huge clusterfuck, and we'll talk about it at another time, but that's Some, what she's referencing there. Something that hasn't been reported very widely is that she also implied that Morrison knew about pedophilia at the Hillsong Church. Wow, um, and the, I missed that. The one Right, the one place that I saw that mentioned, it said these comments were protected under parliamentary privilege. Um, and I think that's why no one has been reporting it because right. they're worried about slandering Morrison through their reportage, basically. Wow. Um, that's a whole other story that we've been kind of meaning to talk about and haven't isn't really the point of the story. But she is going hard. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Zach, you mentioned this, like, you know, Hawk pre-selection thing. And so, yeah, mm. all of this, like, fish rot from the head. They've ruined the party, blah, blah, blah. She's talking about the pre-selection process, which... She recently lost this weekend. Um, the pre-selection situation. Yeah, is I don't dodgy. think she'd be going out in quite such a blaze of glory if she hadn't been reduced to an unwinnable spot. Right, on right. The Liberal yeah. Senate ticket. Yeah. So, but just the the brief recap is that uh, Alex Hawke, uh, basically, it seems like his plan was to slow down, ruin the pre-selection process until it was too late. It was election time, and they had to just pick people, which has basically happened. There's been a bunch of anger about it, and Fairavanti Wells has been, yeah. Laying it on heavily this week, and yeah, yeah she it lost- is really fucking dog shit behavior from, from her. Hawk. Oh, from, from Hawk. Hawk. Oh, yeah. I mean everyone in this story. They, is they a all giant fu- I mean, they all asshole. fucking suck. We're talking about yeah. infighting in the at the highest levels of the Liberal Party here. Yeah, but like, no, I mean Morrison and Hawk absolutely like just colluded oh. to fuck up the pre-selection process in New South Wales so they could yeah, like yeah, yeah. pick their mates. <laughs> She is not wrong about this issue. Yeah. No. Um, and yes, yeah, she lost pre-selection for the winnable Senate seat last weekend. And from what I can tell, I'm not a Liberal Party insider, but from what I can tell, the bullshit with Alex Hawke has almost nothing to do with why she lost. Mm. Um, but she has, as you said, gone out in a blaze of glory. This budget night thing was the latest in an entire week of, as the party room referred to it, guerrilla warfare against Morrison. So on Monday, there was a five-hour Senate sitting to give condolences for the death of Kimberly Kitching, who was a senator who died uh, in the last few weeks. And uh, Senator Faravanti wells took the extremely appropriate opportunity to complain about how hard it was from her, uh, for her, sorry. So from the age, I know how hard it had been for my own husband, John, himself a cancer survivor, who has stood through me, uh, through all the slings and arrows of internecine, factional, and intrafactional skullduggery. So, Andrew, Kimberly Kitching's husband, whilst John and I can walk away, you will be left to walk alone. It's not a very comforting remark, is it? Jesus. The concept of Mean Girls is not confined to one political party, she said. She pointed out that when she spoke out in an ABC investigative report in late 2020 about the treatment of women and integrity issues in Parliament, not one female coalition MP backed her. My female coalition colleagues would privately whinge and complain, but there'd be no fortitude or appetite to stand up publicly and say what needed to be said, she said, adding that the coalition women's WhatsApp group was more concerned with trivial 10th order issues. I expect they were concerned with being summoned for a fireside chat and with the threat of demotion for breaching groupthink. So this is literally (laughs) a eulogy for a funeral, and she's like, damn, dude, you lost your wife, huh? Well, it's still pretty bad for me because people are kind of mean. And so... also, have I mentioned how much I hate this WhatsApp group I'm in? <laughs> time and a place, Senator Faravanti Wells. Yeah, but... the time is always and the place is everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true, yeah. So, on that note, 
Then on Tuesday, she sent out an email to Liberal Party members complaining that the pre-selection process is dodgy, people are being excluded from it, and this was a deliberate ploy by Alex Hawkins, Scott Morrison, which is, as we've said, definitely true, complained about <laughs> captain's picks and key seats. And then she said also in this email that Jim Nolan, who she had lost the winnable Senate seat yep. for, uh, had had dodgy favours pulled because he was allowed to play his speech by video because he was sick and sh- she was not. Whilst Mullen was given special dispensation, it was curious that barely two days later, he was able to travel and was well enough to attend the Senate on Monday, 28th of March, 2022, exclamation mark. Oh my God. Given that I lost by a handful of votes, I'm advised this flawed process is open to legal challenge. However, I've neither the intent nor inclination at this stage to pursue the matter, which is- I could sue. Just know that I could sue. I would definitely win if I sued, but I'm not going to because I'm super cool. Yeah. And then on Tuesday night, she did the speech after the budget, which pretty much ruined all of the prime ministers and treasurers interviews the next day because they're all like, oh, so you did a pointless budget, huh? But your senator said you're a bully and a corrupt stinking fish head. Is that true? Um, and so here we get to the broken clock within the broken clock because Scott Morrison gave a very patronizing, but in my opinion, ultimately correct response, which was basically, she's mad because she lost a vote. Kind of weird how she never complained when she had the job. Hmm? Um, which, which is exactly like he would say that regardless. regardless. Oh, like oh, any, oh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Again, hugely Morrison esque. Not standing with Morrison here. No. They are both clearly giant assholes who have managed to accidentally arrive at the correct conclusion that the other one is also an asshole. <laughs> um, so it's assholes shaking That's a mirror, baby. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, and since then, uh, Pauline Hanson and Jackie Lambie also joined in with Hanson saying, quote, he is a bully and I back the senator up completely with that. He's a bully because I've experienced it myself. And Lambie saying, there is many of us females here that have had to be in and sit with Scott Morrison. And I can tell you what, he's probably one of the most unpleasant men I've ever had to sit in front of. Which is like, amazing because she was in the army. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like this is something that stands out quite a bit about the testimony that from these various like women in parliament when talking about scott morrison being like look we deal with a lot of fucking shit in this place yeah we deal with a lot of assholes it's just misogyny all the way down in this place and And this this guy guy (laughs) fucking sucks jackie lambie was in parliament with fucking tony abbott um like Tony Abbott had a moral compass. It was just, just pointing really, really the wrong bad. direction. Yeah, yeah, pointing straight to fucking hell. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, on that note, Zach, I want to finish off this story with an editorial from The Age, which is pretty extra harsh when you consider it's an editorial, which mm. usually tend to be like as aloof as possible. And this isn't even their one where they're like, you know, before the election, they're always like, now, we don't care who's in charge, but I guess we think you should vote for this one. And this isn't even that. This is just a random editorial <laughs> they decided to do. And uh, yeah, so these assessments of Mr. Morrison's character join a growing list, many of them from his own side of politics. Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce once described him as a hypocrite and a liar in a text message sent on to Brittany Higgins a month after the former staffer's rape claims were made public. A private text message message exchange between former New South Wales Premier uh, Gladys Berry Juicelemon and an unnamed Liberal cabinet member allegedly referred to Mr. Morrison as a, quote, complete psycho and a, quote, horrible, horrible person, while former Liberal MP Julia Banks described him after she left the party as 
menacing, controlling wallpaper. And in an extraordinary attack by a Western ally, French President Emmanuel Macron branded him a liar in relations to his dealings with him over Australia's cancellation of a $90 billion submarine contract with France. And so the editorial goes on to kind of make the same point that Morrison made about uh, Ferravanti Wells, which is like, all of these people had their own personal shit going on that led to them being extra mad at the Liberal Party that doesn't necessarily like and i guess the point is but like also, one of these wrong. dickheads self-interestedly dunking on morrison sure but at this point we kind of have to assume that they're also telling the truth mm. as well as acting out of self-interest so yeah yeah pretty don't harsh take it from shit. us he's <laughs> yeah. a massive fucking piece of shit <laughs> yeah it's this like you know generally i try to take a fairly i don't know i guess material attitude towards right, right, right. like assessing politicians like, what decisions worth. do they make that right. lead to what outcomes in the and, country and all of those decisions Scott Morrison makes are always bad so we yeah. already know that but it's also very fun when everyone in his own fucking party and everybody who works wow. closely with him is like you're the worst oh, person I've ever damn, met damn you suck so much <laughs> like oh my god I can't believe how much you suck yeah. Uh, so yeah there, there you, you go have- yeah. It's pretty it's pretty cut and dried. I will also say just one like slimy bullshit that Morrison added on to his demeaning reply was that he called her Connie, which Aww. a lot of people That's call her Connie. That's classic fucking Morrison. He's like, it's classic just... Morrison though, using the diminutive like first name. Oh, you know. we're pals. We're pals and also she's a small child. She's just a little girl really. Connie. It's like, you know, and we all know that she's been going through a tough time. This is what she, he was saying about Bridget Archer. Right. And he was patronizing in exactly the same way to like Grace Tame. Yep. You know, talking about Britney. Shut the, keep their fucking names out your mouth. Okay. For real. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yep. <sighs> okay. Okay. Our prime minister is a huge piece of shit. Uh, let's move on. Uh, where's there? It is. If you, you want, want a podcast, you gotta do a lot of shit. That's not technically podcasting. You still gotta do that shit. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Tweet us, retweet our things. Uh, also, please leave us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. You can also review, uh, rate us on Spotify. It'd be really nice if you did that. You can leave us reviews. I said that already, but I want to emphasize it because it's really nice and we like it when people say nice things about us. Uh, and it's good for more people seeing the show. Also, share us with your friends and tag them in our posts. Patreon.com slash OzPolSnackPod, $1 a, a month, monthly bonus episodes, access to the Discord, other stuff at higher levels. Instagram. <laughs> now it's time for a Instagram indeed. Holly and I were out earlier this week. And I already know in, where this in, is going. Yeah, in a sort of unsurprising turn of events. We forgot to put the bins away and we came home to the bins having been tipped over, emptied, gone through, rummaged around in. And, you know, Dante being like, hey guys, um, it's good to see you. What's going on? Hey, Everything's oh, totally chill, by the way, you in case you're I'm wondering. Just, I'm just being normal, a normal guy. Uh, anyway, he like has been doing just absolutely fucking brutal compost farts. For the like rest of the week, and his bed like sits directly under my desk, so I'll just be at work on Zooms, 
and having to keep a straight face while some of the worst smells like in human fucking history waft up directly into my yeah. nostrils. Yep. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, just, I like having him around. <laughs> he's a good boy, yeah. Yeah, he's a good boy. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot going on with Bagel at the moment. He's been pretty chill. Uh, he's been a cute boy right now, sniffing my knee. It's nice. Um, but uh, last night I... um decide to sleep in the house i live in a shed in the back of the garden and uh my housemates were both out and i was like fuck i'll sleep in the living room why not i mean i could i do that sometimes when they're around anyway but like yeah change of scenery a little sleep over in a different room i quite like it uh, you know refreshing in some way and one of the nice things about sleeping in the house we have cats and sometimes the cats will sit near or on me while i'm asleep especially if no one else is in the house because they're lonely uh but last night instead uh, at four in the morning, a cat did a really noisy and stinky shit uh, nearby instead. So, right. so I, I got up and went back to bed for the last couple of hours. <laughs> uh, Look, in in the cat-dog debate, you know, which of course the beauty of this earth is that you don't have to choose. But that's like, right. The conversation is nevertheless ongoing. And I feel like in the poo stakes, like cats are just like... A, you. I would take dog shit over cat shit literally any day of the mm. week, you know. A friend, confidant, member of my inner sanctum, Fury, used to do something that I found quite confusing. We'd be hanging out, and they would just kind of, like, say as if they'd been struck by this thought, dogs are just obviously grosser than cats. I don't know why people would dispute that. And that's true, and I, I've... Don't think I've ever met anyone who disputes that, but they would have this like realization regularly, like you know, cats are just less disgusting. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's fairly you know, universally acknowledged. I just realized cars go faster than me, and I don't understand why people would disagree with that. You know, anyway, I feel uh, a little. It's uh, I don't know. It's like we need to offer Fury right of reply here. You know, please, Fury, if you've decided to listen to my show for once. <laughs> Let me know what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, you can respond if, if you can only respond if you know you're being insulted in the first place. Yeah. So whatever they don't know, what can't hurt them. All right, thank you, everybody. We'll catch Thanks you very week. much, team. Um, we will we will catch you next week for an episode. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, maybe do a small one or something. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's my birthday right, cool. next week. Is the yeah. So whatever. Yeah. All right. In the meantime, keep on snacking in the free world. Crunch, crunch.